Evolve into Power is a podcast and a mission to highlight Central Florida's community and business leaders in the hopes of sharing the lessons they've learned with you all to help you evolve into power. Today's episode, Max and Dr. Alicia Clarcius were joined by Abdullah Theroux, the CEO and founder of Pay Concept Merchant Solutions, a software company that specializes in virtual, e-commerce, mobile, and traditional payment processing solutions. Abdullah is a social entrepreneur here in Central Florida with a drive to give back to our community while building his businesses. Here's his story. We hope you enjoy. Today's a very, very special show. Uh, we have our guest with us, uh, Abdullah Taru. Uh, Abdullah, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, for those of you that might be living in the rock, uh, Abdullah is the uh, CEO of uh, Pay Concept, and he'll be able to tell you a little bit more about that as well. Uh, it's a merchant solution system. He's the president of Miracle Makers LLC, uh, vice president of Taru Company. Now, I know he sits on a couple of boards as well. Uh, uh, Abdullah, where do you get the time to do all of this? Well, you know, um, when I was younger, younger, it was a myth that there is no time. Um, there's plenty of time. You just gotta, you just have to decide um, and you have to make time for things, you know, rather than going out and having an extra drink or two or three, that's what happens to me. Well, <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore because I don't go out for drinks as much and that gives me enough time to do uh, what I need to do. Um, uh, but yes, um, and now with technology, let's face it, everything is right here. We are sitting right in front of the screen and making it happen. That's exactly right. right. Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, take us back to where you grew up. What uh, got you started on this path and on this journey that you're on currently? So um, I'm an immigrant. Um, I'm pretty sure you can tell, but I am um, an immigrant. My kids are first generation here. Um, I grew up in Pakistan, a um, city named Karachi. Um, and about, I was about 12 or so year old. I, was, um, I came here to visit, um, to visit Disney. Um, and <laughs> all, um, by the time the trip ended, my father um, suggested that I should stay back here with our family, my uncle, um, and go to school here. That would be, um, that would be good for my future. Um, at that young age, um, it was a truly uh, hard bullet to swallow. Sure. Uh, that parents wants to leave you here with somebody else. Uh, <laughs> right. And I grew up in a city called Monroe. I, I, actually, a town called Monroe, Louisiana at that time. Wow. Wow, Louisiana. Yeah. So if you can imagine Monroe, Louisiana in the late 80s, um, with all political and social. I'm sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Of that. That could have uh, been. That was fun. You know what? It was. Uh, <laughs> It was. I, I, I always live in a present story, but looking back, um, hardships were, hardship gave me thick skin. Um, and it was a blessing. Anything that came around was a great learning experience. Uh, but yes, I have seen it, been there, done it. Um, and I know when people complain um, what they're going through. So I grew up in a bayou down yonder in a town called Monroe, Louisiana. <laughs> um, Adversity making the mm -hmm. man, right? That's right. Yeah, through the challenges come great things. Kind of tell us some of the challenges that you faced uh, being, you know, a minority down there in Louisiana. And what school did you go to? Well, I went to a um, high school called Washita High, uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Um, I think the first couple of years were, were quite tough for me as an adjustment. Um, you know, I, should, I don't know if I should say I was blessed or cursed, but neither was I uh, an African-American and neither was I 
a, a Caucasian and I was brown that people hasn't seen many of them. Many. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was always a little um, identity challenge for me, right? Sure. Uh, hey, who do I hang out with? Who wants to hang out with me and which am I treated? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting my, I don't know if I can say this, ass kicked every often and throwing the books down the hall to, uh, you know, uh, other things that young kids do to other kids. Sure. Um, right. And then ending up as one of the most popular kids to graduate from uh, in my senior year. Um, wow. You know what? It was a personal challenge. Uh, it took about two years to accomplish. Um, but, you know, um, had to do it. There was no other way. <laughs> I had nobody <laughs> to go back and complain to. Um, so but I will let tell me you. ask you, you, you said, said you had, had to do it. Do it. Uh, uh, tell, tell us about the characteristics that was molded in you by your parents did you see them overcome challenges when you said you had to do it where did that space come from where did that wisdom i should say come from you know i will say in that young age uh, i think it was the things that that were taught by our parents but of course our upbringing was different right for me to call a call that is 24 hours delay in time and tell my dad on the phone for 15 minutes uh, and complain to tell him that how I'm getting, you know, not getting along, uh, was not going to do anything, right? right. What is right. He's not going to fly back to the U.S. and rescue me because the goal right. is to learn what needs to be learned. And mm-hmm. uh, stayed here with my uncle. I worked with him. That's where I got my first experience. Uh, got into business world at age of 16 uh, in jewelry business. Um, but, you know, had to, at a very young age, decided to live, um, look at others who have succeeded and just always imagine uh, to be, uh, to do what they're doing, uh, right? There's a great saying, um, the best talent in the world is to copy it, but make it better. Right? Right. right. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, no. And so the way the people talk, the way they carry themselves, um, always I'm a true believer of having people around who can take me to the next level. That's just something that was put into my put into me by my father at a very young age. Um, and it was just a desire to be in the, sitting in the middle of that cafeteria amongst the popular people, um, you know, rather than sitting all the way in the corner uh, when I started, right? Right, right. It was just a drive. It was shallowness, uh, but it was a survival for us, for me. Uh, and it was a drive to make sure that um, I'm included. If a 15-year-old, yes. 16-year-old boy is not shallow, I don't know who is, Abdullah. So uh, you had it right at the time. That was what was in front of you. Fast forward us a little bit. Where did you go to college? You know, what did you study? I went to, um, I, I, I took an easy way out. I was, I, I'll tell you right now, a disclaimer, I was never a greatest student, by the way. Neither uh, was I. <laughs> probably think I was the... Uh, ugly duckling of the family at that time. My, my sisters and brothers, they're all professionals. Um, and I'm an entrepreneur, right? That's what we do. That's right. 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 But I went to school at Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, Louisiana. Um, the dream was to be a pilot. Um, my childhood dream was to be a pilot. Um, got into the high school, uh, got into the university, did my first year. By the time the second year happened, Desert Storm 1 happened. A um, little bit later, Desert Storm 2 happens, a couple of years, you know, a year or so later. Uh, and what was happening was that uh, a lot of military, the, the, the pilots that were coming out of Air Force, the airlines were hiring them. Um, okay. And so I, I could see the few path forward. 
Um, and also I had businesses. I was working in jewelry business with my uncle. We still, you know, we were one of the first ones to start the concept of little kiosks in the middle of the mall. Yeah. Um, and it's just that life took off. Um, when he was there, responsibilities were great. Um, and um, decided to put that little dream on the, on the back seat um, and get going. Uh, Is that yeah, something that still pulls that out to you? You know what? Yes, it uh, holds it out. And some days when I forget, my wife reminds me. <laughs> I need to be in a position where I can go get, you know, learn how to fly, right? You That's know? actually mm -hmm. one of my goals, one of my dreams. I've been telling my wife about it for the longest time. I'm going and you, you and I will go flying together. We'll do it together. Then. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Watch out. I'll stay back with Taz. Huh? Yeah. Fast forward. Tell us a little bit about what you're in now. Some of the things that you're doing with the companies, with the nonprofit organizations. Yes. Uh, tell us exactly how you got started with that and how you're building that, that uh, companies. So, you know, uh, so let's go. I, I do want to bring this back. Um, as I said, my brother and sisters are all professionals. Um, I do want to bring it back. I went to, I was in jewelry business. I was in jewelry business for quite many years, um, about the last eight years, nine years, um, and just decided uh, retail was getting to me. It was my passion, uh, but I didn't have enough time to do what things that I do now. One right. Day, right? Um, so during that transa transition somewhere where I uh, stepped away from the family business and started to explore the things I wanted to do. Uh, my daughter was about eight or nine years old at that time. Um, and I remember, and I have to tell you, nonprofit was not my idea. Wow. Um, it was my daughter's idea at age, wow. of, nine, at age of eight. Um, and by the time we get to it, it was nine, but she's the one who, um, who pushed this forward uh, to make it happen, right? She connected with a buddy of mine who told her, what is the easy application online? Dad, this is what we need to do. You need to get a nonprofit. And the backstory for that is simply, um, I am very blessed with the precious little girl. Uh, you are. Now, yes. uh, but she was born at one pound and 14 ounces. Wow. wow. Um, so we stayed in the hospital for about 110 days. Um, and we just saw, we were in the NICU, we saw you know, things happen, tragedies happen, and we were concentrated on our child. Well, long story short, every birthday we would spend at the hospital, and um, Maya was volunteering, speaking to uh, parents who were going through the same tough challenges that we were and didn't have a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so she goes to the hospital once a month or whenever she's needed, and she'll speak to a group of people. Wow. And let know how cute I am <laughs> and fingers uh, and your child will be okay right um, so we wanted to start a nonprofit so we can help out families who are going through high-risk pregnancies uh, and more so who have uh, preemie uh, babies who are in the hospital and not able to provide for themselves right uh, so we wanted to make sure that we partner up with the local hospital down here and uh, give as much as we can, provide time and finances uh, so we can help those families out. Um, so that's how the nonprofit came around. Um, she was very young. She couldn't be the president of the foundation or the, or the, or the chair. So it was I and Taz, uh, my wife, uh, who had to take this responsibility and um, and then uh, my parents, um, my dad is very much engaged in it. And then we just took off from there and, um, 
It's no looking back. You must well, be speaking, really proud I, because what happened, I think I got a chance to see, we got a chance to see Maya's TED Talk. TED Talk. Right? I think she was uh, 14 at the time when she did the talk. Tell us a little bit about experience. We got to brag about her because mm-hmm. this is her idea. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit about her talk, TED Talk. And what how do you feel regarding <laughs> that? I know you're so proud, like you said. You see the smile, right? Um, I will tell you, it's one of my one of the things that inspire me. I do watch that video every so often to remind me, um, just to remind me of what I've been blessed with, right? Um, but the experience was great. I have to tell you again, uh, it's your, it's who you know and people you know. Uh, Maya did the great work. Um, I have a friend out um, in Texas who approached me. Um, approached Ian Taz and said, you know what, I have watched Maya's work, Facebook stuff you post, and I heard about Maya. And, you know, I just want to know if there's any way Maya would be interested in doing a talk. And I said, uh, well, Maya loves to talk. I mean, <laughs> just go on, right? And he said, yeah, okay, so let me, let me make, make a call. You'll get a call in the next couple of days. And I said, that's great. And uh, hold behold, I have this young man who calls me from Texas and he says, hey, listen, you know, um, I run the uh, TED Talk division of such an, this specific state, um, TEDx, and I want to know if um, I've heard a lot about your daughter, I've seen her work, and I would be really interested in having her talk. And I'm thinking, uh, oh, great. So how does it work? Does she have to rehearse for it? Does she have to send you a script? And he goes, no, you know what? She can, we're bringing in a... 14 year old she can just speak her mind and uh, <laughs> it's beautiful but you know these are the guidelines and time and just make sure she stays within that time and has a great eye contact and believe it or not that was it um just two days before that we sent him he wanted to get on the call just to see how maya's talk was um and he loved it he said i'm not going to change anything about it she spoke out of her cuff um and uh, we went ahead and moved forward the feeling, uh, even looking back now, I was much, much more nervous than Maya. <laughs> she looks so calm. She looks like mm-hmm. she's been doing this forever. For years, yeah. Yes, yes. She wanted to make it interactive. Did you, if you notice, it was getting everybody on the stand floor. up and raise their hands. She was terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And I still, I, I'm still getting the same feeling today thinking about it. Hold my, my, stomach was shrinking i'm sitting in the first row and i'm going please god this next 12 minutes just (laughs) (laughs) she's a force to be reckoned with i can tell you that i can't um, wait until she gets older and you know we get to see some of her speeches that she has prepared no you know what it's a blessing amen Uh, we always tell her that um, she's never in it for her life she's open to do anything she wants change her mind to whatever she wants um, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons uh, that we did not name the nonprofit after her because we wanted to make sure the legacy goes on, right? Um, people, right. people grow, um, but we just want to make sure that we, her, her wish and our wish is to make sure that we just make an impact. Um, and it doesn't matter whose name it is. It's just got to be an impact. Terrific. Uh, and so just let's switch gears a little bit. I want you to talk about when um, you were younger. So say you're 18. Let's do a little visualization. Say, talk to your 18-year-old self and tell him what you know now. What would you change or what challenges have you overcome? Patience. Patience. Patience is one of those challenges um, 
that I, patience was not something I had. Um, also, um, being um, materialistic, I was in a jewelry business. I lived a great life. I spoke to amazing people who had plenty of wealth, but everything was around wealth, right? Everything is about cars and everything is about watches and everything is about showing success in that direction. Um, yeah. and, uh, and to be caught up in that lifestyle is, uh, is rough. People will give away food from their kids' mouth to keep yeah. that. Mm -hmm. You got to keep up with your inexperience. Materialistic all the time. lifestyle. Yes. And then the friends that come along with it is a whole different story. Exactly. Um, so if I had to look back, I, I would tell people that I truly repeat multiple times a day uh, with my wife, with my kids do stuff in silence and let your actions speak. Um, nobody needs to know, right? Um, I stopped wearing ties about. I was always in a tie and a jacket and I stopped wearing ties about six years ago. I haven't, I have 200 some ties, great ties in my collection and I haven't worn them funeral or wedding. I just don't, it was my way to say that this is it. You know, I'm out of this game. You know, I love my sweaters, white shirts and um, just, just, you know, just, um, just live, live for a quality of life. Um, and past year as it has been really tough for people just to put in perspective, right? If I was my younger person, uh, I wouldn't be here today talking to what happened to everybody else and to us in 2020, right? I don't have right. to. Right. Um, but I think just the point of being grounded um, and, 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 and measuring what is great, what is quality for you in life is what kept us going. Um, I think I had the most amazing year, um, blessing spiritually, family-wise uh, and innovation-wise. You know, we got to step back, um, recognize what we were doing, come back, plan it, um, and move forward. And I have the most amazing partner that anybody can ask for, and I'm married to her, so I don't want to... <laughs> That's right. I feel the same way. It's a blessing. Um, That's terrific. Tell us three people that truly inspire you, three people that keep you going. Somebody I need to know or somebody I read about or look up to. Any, yeah, any you think, yeah, either or. So I would say there is a, um, His Highness the Aga Khan is one of the, uh, he's a spiritual leader of a small community called Ismailis, Shia Ismaili Muslims. Uh, we belong to that community, but he's just, he's a spiritual leader, uh, a huge philanthropist and a, and a, and a um, changer in the world, right, for good. Um, I do follow uh, things that come from that way. It inspires me to do great things. Sure, sure. I wouldn't say I do great things. I do little things, but inspires us to make, make an impactful. Everything we mm -hmm. do have an impact. Um, Sir Richard Branson, um, I met him a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, he's doing amazing things with Virgin. Forget yeah. about it. You know, his picture is there. Um, he's an amazing guy, right? Besides building this absolute, uh, you know, amazing empire that he has, but he is a truly a giver, right? Uh, Every business that he has done, there is a social impact, um, you know, view of that business. It doesn't matter what, right? Um, everything he has ever done. And he's smart. I, yeah. I love to learn from smart people. That's uh, right. Yes. Um, and then if I, and I, I think I get my, um, my rudeness sometime or my courage from following people like Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's a different character, Elon. Yeah. 
Yes. So you got to have that balance, right? You got to have that balance. A straight down, dirty trucks, you know, as it is and, and moves forward and, and, and then successful, right? So it just makes me believe that there is a place for people who have vision and hard work gets, gets you to where you want to be, right? Um, yeah. If I had to say somebody close to me, um, of course, um, I tell people if I could live my life, uh, if I had a choice to live my life or if I live my life, I would live it like my young son, you know, have no regrets, just jump from wherever he feels that he's going to jump from and do whatever he needs to do and no looking back. Right? No fear. Mm-hmm. No fear. You know, you Jim, Jim Rohn says that uh, people, people try to live through life safely, not knowing they're headed to their death anyway, right? Whether it's today, tomorrow, or 50 years from now. That's the direction we're going. Why not give it a go anyway? With that said, Abdullah, talk a little bit about success because just having this dialogue with you, I see your view of success. But most people think success is money. It's cars, it's houses. I think those are byproducts of success, right? I don't want to be driving around in a beat up car, but if I were, I'd be equally as happy. Nothing would change about the experience because that experience for me, is an internal one, not external. Talk a little bit about what success looks like for you. And you know, with what you said, it takes a while, right? So let, let people know, give them credit. It, it, I think wiseness with time, people, most, some of them learn that that's not, material things are not, not the sign of success. But uh, to going back to your question, I think it's, it's inner peace is, is so important. Um, it's to be in a stage um, where you don't have to get up in the morning and worry about, you know, worry about things that don't matter, right? Uh, you've got to be in a position where you could look at something and say, would it even matter a year from now? And if it doesn't, am I at peace to just let somebody have the last word and be done at it, right? Just yes. right. It's going to make them feel better and it will not bother me or matter to me a year from now or four months from now. And I think that's very difficult. Everybody wants to have their last word. Um, but success to me is handful of good friends, um, peace, um, quite, uh, I would say, a, a family, you know, a, a family environment. We are very close to our parents. Uh, my kids I, I have seen it. If they have a chance to hang around with their friends or with their mom and dad, they pick their mom and dad. That's it's awesome. odd. My daughter is a teenager and it's odd and I'm taking it as a blessing. Um, and I think those are the things that keep me humble is knowing to come home every day by eight o'clock um, and be with my kids. Um, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's success to me. Success to me is, uh, is not, is I can manage my time as I want, right? With this crisis that happened, you know, I don't have to go to office. I haven't been to the office since last March. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. The, all our people are working from the house. Why call them into an office that is such, you know, it's like a cage now because mm-hmm. nobody around. Yeah. Uh, that's success to me. Success to me is, and of course, uh, I, I think you can tell success to me also means um, to be able to give either it's time, it's finances, it's knowledge, it's to mentor somebody uh, because I have a lot of mentors who are sure. me um, and I'd like to return the favor as much as I can. I'm always available for, for those talks. That's so amazing. I would like to hit on that because that's very imp- important. People 
think that, you know, they don't need a mentor or that they don't need someone to kind of lead and guide them. I they know got it all figured out. Right. They have it all figured out. My husband and I, we both have mentors. So talk to the listener about how important it is to have someone that just give you a little guidance and kind of pat you on the back and tell you it's okay. So, you know, as I said, when I was younger, I always looked up to people and tried to act, do what they were doing, but they were not my mentor, right? I would see something, read something, and I wanted to be them. Um, I learned it really late in my life. I didn't learn it till I started my payment processing company. That was my third company. Um, I've always been in family businesses. My mentors were, but I really understood that mentors need to change. Mentors are brought in to a, for a certain time to take you to a certain limit. Sure. Um, and I will step out also on a limb that people don't agree with me, but even your network, right? Even your friend circle has to be a circle that to the next level. Um, exactly. Financially, emotionally, doesn't matter. It has to give you an advantage rather than just go drink and come home, right? All right. All right. So I think people get caught up into this thing uh, where they're scared to ask somebody like you or somebody like me to say, could you be my mentor? Um, and they are scared um, or they are connected to one person and they just cannot take the leap over to next. Um, but mentors, I would say if anything I could give credit to beside what I have been blessed with, mentors have been a big player in my in my well-being, right? I'm not the most successful person you'll talk to on this podcast, but I I know I'm in a place where 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 I want it to be, and mentors had to play a big big role in it. And, Absolutely. Uh, yep. And with that, it goes. Uh, you need to know who to ask, why you're asking. And what is that mentor going to do for you? Mm -hmm. And above all, ask the right question. Don't That's be right. Scared, right. You know, God says, keeps asking me and I'm going to keep giving you. And some people keep saying, why don't I get it? Why don't I get it? <laughs> exactly. Get it? Because they're not asking for the right thing. That's they're exactly asking. right. That's, That's exactly right. They're shy. Don't be shy. Just ask. Worse and then, and I would like to add to that too, uh, Abdullah, is... The right mentor. You don't want to go to a doctor if you need legal advice, right? Because some people, when they come, they go to their friends and their buddies. Buddy has no experience whatsoever in that field, but now all of a sudden he's an expert. They're an expert. <laughs> he's an expert. So for me, if I need legal advice, I don't care if it's the best plastic surgeon in the world. He can't help me. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to make sure that when you're looking for a mentor, make sure if it's the right field. If you need finances, go to a finance mentor. If you need coaching for your body, go to a gym fitness. This is what they do. Right. I wanted to add that. Um, Abdullah, tell us what's one common myth about your pro uh, profession in the nonprofit? That, uh, wow, that's a good one. So now, uh, you know, with our new venture, um, we have come across a lot of myths that we have been able to address. Um, there are myths on donor sites. There are myths on donation, you know, on nonprofit side. I think the biggest myth 
I was having this discussion with some consultants yesterday. The biggest myth nonprofit have is that their own, the donor base that they have, the database that they have, anywhere from 1,000 to 30,000 people, these nonprofit truly believe that it's their exclusive and dedicated database, that these donors are their donors and they shouldn't share these donors with anybody. And, and, and these donors don't share the love of what they're, what, you know, love with some other nonprofits, right? The right. Myth, that's a myth because we know for the fact through the statistics that are published every year, every person in every household supports 4.5 nonprofits. And I, let me just be blunt, like, you know, Elon, and let me tell you, that's true because, and I will also tell you as we are also the donor side and the nonprofit donors switch their minds all the time. Sure. You know, yeah. Until you are a legacy giver, your nonprofit has got me into a legacy giving situation. Then even if I'm not interested in your cause, it is done. But the donors, the real donors who are everyday donors who you need to need to uh, you know address, these people will change their their mission, their their vision, or or their interest according to the experiences that come to them now, right? Oh. So for some instance, if you meet somebody that's going through cancer at the moment or Corona, right? Uh, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who passed away and I already support a cancer institution. I go, you know what? Money is not enough to go around. So I'm going to stop that. And now I'm going to go with this because a friend of mine, his mom passed away. And I think this is the cause I need to support. Right. Uh, so I think that's what it is. So I think, and I don't think that is what it is. And our new technology um, that we started up, we, you should ask me about that in a second, but I will tell you the new technology. <laughs> <laughs> the basis of that technology is, is exactly this, right? Go out there, put your message out in front of a global audience. You will be surprised how many new um, followers and donors you will retain rather than just beating the same horse with the same stick again and again and again. Right. Uh, basically, that is a very big, um, very big objective of the of the of the platform that that we have built. Well, that's uh, right in. So Abdullah, yeah, we we've heard, yeah, that you came out with some new technology. <laughs> so let's hear about that. Let's dive right in. <laughs> You know, I was reading a book by Netflix and they said that they were, they were a industry that came out of depression time, right? Um, then I went and looked back. Um, so basically that came afterwards. So let me tell you about the technology. We my dream is to, I know that our vision is that this technology is gonna be a unicorn or a, or a star out of the times when Corona, the rest of the world was just- That's fantastic. Living around, right? Uh, and that is how it played out. So the new technology, um, we have a lot of conversations in the house, my wife, my daughter, my son, who's only eight, regarding of who we give, how we give, what needs to be given. They know about everything we give. Sometimes they write the checks and we sign it, right? They need to know value. Right. Right? right. And they need to know giving is not that difficult, man. Just sign it and give, right? Right, right. I love that. We are not the biggest of philanthropists, but we give what we can. Sure, uh, of course. So we had an idea. I had an idea three years ago, and we started. I started to create a Google Doc and putting up all the ideas on this. That 
the reason that idea came up because I chair multiple nonprofit, I'm on a committees on multiple nonprofits, and I have seen how difficult it is and expensive it is to go out there and put out an event. So all these ideas and then attending about maybe 15, 25 galas a year or events a year by nonprofits, you see where they're missing. So there was a big void that we thought uh, they were limiting themselves by the database that they had, they believe they had, uh, that was limiting their funding. So we were putting this all in paper and it was wonderful around January of this year, you know, I, I bring that paper up every so often, a couple of times a month at night, sitting on the bed, just digging at it, right? It's, it's like a five, 600 pages of document. And my wife tells me, listen, uh, it's time, it's time. You either put this in place or you just stop dealing with it. Just delete the documents and be done because there's no reason. <laughs> Women are powerful. <laughs> they are. And I think everything happens for a great reason. In January, we decided we had some uh, savings. Um, we put the savings aside um, and we started a company. And that's where I ran into Phil. Uh, Phil actually asked, that he heard about what we were doing. He wanted to meet us and it was a blessing. So basically we did that. By the time the corporation came in existing, it was, it was February. And by the time we committed to our developers and team, I mean, we had to bring in a whole new team. I have committed to them and then Corona happened, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now what do you do? Uh, right. So there was no other thing to do, but to find something that was gonna keep us engaged and not let us think about um, the issues, you know, the uh, the stuff that we had to go through our businesses or, or what is going on around us. So we just closed ourselves into this bubble um, and just got to it. We already had committed exactly. funds. Um, and every day, every day, every night, um, we would sit here and we would work on this app, our team. We have amazing team members. Uh, they were all in it for it. And, um, once we went out to get some board of advisor, I've never done that either. And I know people are scared. Um, mm -hmm. I was scared. I was really scared to know how I'm going to get these board of advisors, how I'm going to get them. But did that fear stop you? Once I wrote it down, it was, yes, the fear did stop me. I would have never had board of advisors <laughs> have said, made myself sat down, made a list of people, pick the most relevant people for the technology we are creating and just go out there, you know, go out there and just make a call. Exactly. You know, we know each other. This is what I'm doing. This, what I envision will happen. I don't have a technology, but I want you to be my advisor team. Right. And mm -hmm. I picked some great, I thought were, top of my list people mm -hmm. i will tell you what um yes i only asked three of them three of them said yes and it has been nothing but a great ride <laughs> i love that and abdullah also for before you continue and i'd love for you to continue for those that don't understand the, the term unicorn in the tech world please share with us what that means uh, uh, now well unicorn for me as a is a tech, um, is any technology that just has an exponential uh, success, right? Um, for us, it will be an exponential impact. Um, that's all it is. We know right. our success is collect connected to 
uh, the impact we'll be making. Uh, but you know, when you hear there's a company that is sold for 200 million, 500 million, they've been in business for only five years. That's what you call a unicorn. That's a unicorn, that's yes. a unicorn right? That's what investors go. That's right. Now I'm going to invest in 10 companies and I hope one gets me a unicorn. <laughs> that's a unicorn, that's right. Yes. Um, so that's what it is all about. And our unicorn is impact-based. Our advisors are in the same alignment with us. Um, and every door that has opened for us during Corona uh, or during, not even forget Corona, during 2020 has been all a great step toward what we want to accomplish, right? Um, so yes, the name, the name of the technology is Tuesday. And uh, many people ask what Tuesday is about. Yes, of course. I tell you, uh, Tuesday is a day of the year that is the first Tuesday of December where the it's a, it's a global trend where nonprofits around the globe um, contribute well I would say around the globe um, collect about 40 percent of their annual donation on that one day so it's like Black Friday but this is called a giving Tuesday it's wow. the first Tuesday of month of December. Um, we went through about 70, 80 names um, and it just happened to be on four o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> wow. Had a conversation what day it was. It was a Tuesday and we said, whoa, this Tuesday. This is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> that name came around. That's fantastic. Yes. So I want to ask you, you've, you've mentioned the word legacy a couple of times. So a lot of people think, you know, leaving a legacy is like we talked about, leaving materialistic things for society. But from your standpoint, what legacy are you trying to leave in this world uh, before you pass away? And I think it was so interesting that you decided not to name the foundation after your daughter mm -hmm. with the thought in mind that this is bigger than us. Right. It is. It is. Legacy to me, you know how... My parents are true believer in education for um, underprivileged or young, young kids, early education, right? So is my wife. She, she, that's all you can start with her and she'll be at it all day. Um, that's legacy for me, right? Legacy is for me to provide a way not to give. Please do understand it's not about giving you a dollar. It's mm -hmm. about providing you a way to earn that dollar is me giving, making a legacy. If this person gets an early education or a get education or a mentorship, and he's able to take, get to the next level, you know, his generation and next generation, he might forget me, but I know that it would be my legacy that something I helped start has taken care of two, three, four generations down the road, right? Exactly. Legacy. Um, you know, people can leave millions. I hope, you know, I hope that I can leave millions and, and I can be one of those guys who can give away my enough fortune where I can give away 95% of my, <laughs> mm -hmm. that will make a substantial difference. Now it wouldn't actually, but it would, right? Um, the point is that's a legacy, but that's, that's at the end. You don't take the money with you. Money's got to go somewhere. Right. right. Living legacies are the legacies where you are making a difference somebody's life so they are able to provide for themselves or they're able to provide for others per se right yeah that's that's my that's the legacy i live by and and that's the same legacy we believe in because i was reading Ro russell conwell's the acres of diamond and he said i pity the rich man's son 
because giving them money, you actually debilitate them. They don't have any desire to do anything, but giving them the legacy, like yourself, like your daughter, her TED talk is legacy. People for generations will know that she's done that. She's left. This conversation you and I are having now is legacy. My kids can look back, your kids can look back and say, hey, on this day, look at what my father said uh, he, he intended to do. Abdullah, where can our listeners connect with you? Um, if they want to get in contact with you, if they want to uh, uh, build with you, how do they get in contact with you? And how do uh, they go about becoming uh, donors? Um, so, you know, we do have a, a website at Miracle Maker Foundation. Once you, it's www.miraclemakerfoundations.org. Uh, um, and um, once you get on it, it is, um, our, all our contact information is there. We are very, very open and available uh, for our viewers, uh, for, 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 for people who want to make an impact. Um, we have some great partners. I will tell you that this charity is mostly uh, self-sustained by family, uh, by our extending family and us by ourselves. Uh, but we do have generous friends um, who, who, who every year will donate uh, to Maya's and all it takes is for her to make these calls and the next thing. They'll... Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Um, so we run a very small operation, um, but we just want to make sure that we make difference. You know, people forget to make smaller difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Impact. We just want to make small impacts. I'm not, we're not looking for a, a glorious impact. It's a small impact that makes a difference. And that's what we like to do, something we can manage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd like to ask this question. What is a question that we should have asked you, Abdullah? And perhaps we didn't know you well enough to ask this question. Wow. Now that had nobody has asked me that before, right? Uh, <laughs> you should have asked me um, that if you didn't know me. You know, I would say, um, how do I, it's tough, um, it's tough. I'm a very, um, I enjoy people around me, um, but I don't enjoy, I'm sorry? A people-centric? I am, I am, I'm a, I like to be out. Um, I like to be with people, I like to learn. But what I don't really enjoy um, is being around people who self-pity, self-limit, and put the same limitations on others, right? Right, uh, right. Um, my childhood had taught me, um, been through a lot of struggles that I don't think my family would never ever know. Uh, smile was the biggest gift of God that, that I had <laughs> free uh, because I love to smile and give smile and compliments. I've been in, I have gotten in trouble giving compliments as well. Um, <laughs> but it's been a great blessing um, to me. And with all the, you know, all the experiences that I've had growing up, um, I think it has taught me uh, that best gift out there is to be positive um, because people around you feel the same. Whatever you put out is what you feel the same. That's all. Yeah. 
So, Abdullah, I want you to think about something that you want to leave with the listeners. But before you do that, we do our little commercial here. So this is Evolving in Power, powered by the Clear Seas Group, which is a real estate firm in Central Florida. And uh, our sponsors are Angel Eyes, which is a primary care and a home care agency. And so back to you, Abdullah. So <laughs> kind of tell us, you know, something that you want to leave the listeners. You know, I'm going to be uh, straight out and, and I'm going to tell you about uh, what we do um, for a living. Um, we, uh, as you said, I'm the CEO and founder of Pay Concept Merchant Services. Um, this was a um, occupation I had to learn. I've always been in family business and in retail business. Uh, the best thing I had uh, was a time that was given to me while my work, wife worked full time to learn this business uh, and to be able, that business gave me a freedom um, of managing my time at my way. Um, and then of course it brought me to the technology arena. Uh, so pay concept merchant services, we have our own gateway. Uh, we work with medical business. We love to, to serve nonprofits um, through this business as well, do the payment processing for them. Um, and any business that accepts credit card, uh, we can provide solutions for them, either make them or, or, or provide it. Um, but the legacy of all would be uh, the application called Tuesday that we have started to build last year. Um, and it's an application that will help nonprofit um, expand their donor base, streamline their fundraising and increase their donation and open them up to the global audience, right? Uh, it is an app that is an Apple store right now for review. Um, and we are hoping um, that if all goes well, we will have our first event on that app in next week and a half. That's awesome. Um, wow, terrific. Um, so it's like a marketplace, if you would say, um, for donors or for users uh, to, to get the best deals and auctions. We all know that nonprofits are generous. They, they have great things on their auction blocks, but unfortunately, they're not able to find the buyers who would pay the highest price. And they always settle for, P, for the prices that are, or for the, for the bids that are provided to them or, or they collect from the limited audience that they are reaching out to. Our goal is to open up that audience, open the market and let them go out there, spread their message, uh, do donation campaigns and have a marketplace where people will actually um, intentionally or unintentionally um, will do the transaction. And at the end of the day, they're making a, making a big impact, a difference. For Absolutely. And one last question. Um, I thank you so much, first and foremost, for sharing with us. Uh, we wish you uh, every success, not necessarily, and, and you know what I mean by success, legacy and impact. However, we can be of support to you. Abdullah, you know you have a friend in us as well. Uh, the last question I want to ask you is, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years from now? What are you doing? Uh, where are you in both, the, uh, uh, you know, with, with Tuesday, with the nonprofit arena? Where are you in five to 10 years from today? And you have one more question. If I can share, Tess, we have to go over. We can sit down together over dinner, look at this podcast and say, hey, Abdullah, you said you were going to do that five years ago. And look, look what you're doing here today. I think for Tuesday, it's very clear. Um, I've never had a clear exit plan or a clear view of where I wanted to be, right? I've always been in my family business. There was never anything, anything nothing was ever clear. It was day by day. Um, Want to have 50,000 nonprofits on our app. 
uh, want to make a difference for them. Um, want to, I, I would like to um, exit and then give rest of my time to help other non, other early starters, startups grow and advise them how to get to the level. Um, I think by that time, I would be qualified enough. I've been through trenches um, and that's what I want to do. I want to mentor people. Um, I want to use what I have learned and what I have gained uh, to make a difference for people. Um, that has never, that would have never occurred to me, but as I've been involved in this and the things we hear about this technology, the, the, um, what it is capable of doing, uh, the goal would be to, uh, to hand it forward to somebody who can take it to a bigger level than maybe I can imagine. Um, but the goal is to have 50,000 nonprofits sign up, be able to make an impact and have them all succeed. They won't, they will not have to go out and pay 32% to 35% of their revenue um, for every dollar that they raise. They won't have to give out 35 cents to raise a dollar. The goal is to um, have them spend less than 10 cents for every dollar they raise. Right. Fantastic. And that might be our legacy as well. That's um, fantastic. Sounds like it. Yes. All right. Well, Abdullah, thank you so much for coming on the show. And like you said, we wish you much success. And thank you so much for spreading the wealth of knowledge that you have to our listeners and our viewers. And thank you so much for uh, uh, living from your heart space, because I think that's where the real difference is made. Thank Taz as well and your daughter. Thank you. We're blessed. And you guys are doing an amazing, um, amazing podcast, amazing job. And uh, I know you do a lot of great things, philanthropic things out there and so passionate about this. Right. So thank you for having me on here. Thank you for your time. And and keep up, keep up what you're doing. And hopefully we'll connect in person. We'll definitely yes, connect definitely. very soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, podcast fans. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Evolve to Power. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to get updates for future episodes. We'll see you next time.